working in our lives, Lord. And Lord, we, we understand that when we ask you to work, we ask for your will to be done. That more often than not, it plays itself out within relationships. It plays itself out among each other. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that relationships deepen in this room. I pray that relationships get to a place, Lord, where we understand that uh, we can't can't do it without you. Our relationships are based on you, Lord. They come from you. They come from the word of God. And, Lord, we want to be a... We want to be a body that looks at Scripture, Heavenly Father, and then applies it and then lives it. So, Lord, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you that you would just take this morning, that the the Holy Spirit would run through this place, Lord. God, you would affect us. You would prepare our hearts for the receiving of this word. But, Lord, there's some people who say we you got to pray all the time. you got to worship all the time. You have to fellowship all the time. Lord, we just want to do what you're doing. You say you do what you see your father doing, but we want to do what we see Jesus doing. Lord, what would you have for us this morning? We're open to that. We're willing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Welcome this morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. Go from 30 degrees outside to about 110 degrees in here. <laughs> it's hot. But uh, hopefully everybody's doing doing good. If you could, we're just going to jump right in. Let's turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 9. We've wrapped up 2 Corinthians 8. Um, entire chapter 8. And now we're jumping into... Second Corinthians 9, and this is specific to giving. We've kind of taken not necessarily a little bit of a break from Nehemiah, but more so um, jumped over to look at what the Lord says about giving because we're in the middle of uh, this building campaign. We're in the middle of securing land so that we can have a place of permanency, which is, which is uh, unbelievably exciting. Now, we were supposed to have some some building updates for you now carrie can you raise your hand real quick right here there's four updates they're pretty exciting they got there's not a whole lot of explanation for them but what i'm going to do is if you are interested in those updates to simply just talk to carrie afterwards um we just didn't bring them up in the amount in the announcements so if you have questions about something just go go talk to him but yeah it's an exciting time We've been uh, diving into Second Corinthians nine, uh, eight. We're going to go to chapter nine, and we're also uh, connecting that back to Nehemiah, walking through Nehemiah just a little bit, so that we don't leave that book, uh, but we just open up Scripture both sides. So last week, I came with this this word called stewardship, and it was in specific. In, in uh, reference to stewardship next to stewardship. We connected that back to Nehemiah in that Nehemiah got his people, got the people in Jerusalem to build this wall in 52 days by taking each family and saying, hey, just build right in front of your wall. Or excuse me, right in front of your home. Build that portion of the wall right in front of your home. But within building, there's, there's some stewardship 
that takes place. So my stewardship is important to the stewardship of the family next to me, which is important to the family next to them so that there is no breaches, there is no gaps. But it was stewardship of something. It was stewardship we looked at in Second Corinthians eight sixteen through 24, stewardship of a gift. And I, I gave you this phrase that uh, to handle with care. That the Lord is asking us no matter what we do with whatever circumstance that that comes up, whatever person that is set in front of us. You heard me pray about relationships. The Lord will give you things. He'll give you materialistic things, but he also gives you people. But to be a good steward of your relationships, to be a good steward and handle with care, not only the people in your life, but everything that you've been given as a gift. Now, as we open up chapter 9 Paul begins to explain the why in verses 1 through 5 we'll be in 2 Corinthians 9 verses 1 through 5 we'll also be in Nehemiah 4 verses 1 through 6 and our cross reference for today is 1 Corinthians 16 2 but before we read those five verses let's just understand where we're at in the course of this conversation that Paul is having with the church at Corinth. It's a very interesting conversation. <laughs> We've been in the middle of it. But it brings us to that why. It brings us to, to the understanding that Paul is, is sending people to the church at Corinth for a purpose. Well, why is he sending them? Well, we got to understand that conversation up until now. And we're just going to hit that real quick. Paul communicates that giving, there's this giving that's happening in Macedonia. Now, the the giving that's happening in Macedonia is because of something. These churches have taken notice of what the church at Corinth has been doing, that they've been giving. So the churches in Macedonia stepped into that principle. Now, Paul's communicating this to the Corinthians, saying that, look, these these people are watching you. So you better be a good steward of this gift. And he comments on the the church in Macedonia that, look, these are people who come out of poverty. Their wealth of of liberality is a result of them simply just jumping into this giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 3, they gave. Now that helps us understand that there was a completeness to the Macedonians giving. So get a picture of this. The Macedonians are watching the Corinthians give. So they say, okay, that's what we're going to do. And the giving is specific to one thing that we'll read in verse 5. But here's what the gift is. That the church in Jerusalem, the mother church, is struggling. She's struggling. Now that gift is a financial gift to the mother church in Jerusalem to help that situation. Now the Macedonians completed that work. But here the example. The ones who... Yeah, the ones who were the example to the Macedonians hadn't finished that yet. They were giving. They were, they were stepping into the giving principle. But the completeness of actually giving that gift had not come to fruition yet. So Paul says, you know what, I'm going to send Titus and the boys. <laughs> but let me tell you about Titus and the boys. Titus and his group are credited by their behavior. They're accredited by their behavior because they're good stewards of what they've been given. So understand that. Understand who I'm sending to you. Now that is 
verses 16 through 24. And then he jumps into, let me, let me communicate to you this morning why it's so important that I'm sending these people to you. Now, it's very interesting to me this morning. As, I, as we jump into 2 Corinthians 9 and look at what Paul is saying about these people that are being sent and the reasons why. Do you know that the Lord has sent us a gift in the fivefold? And that we have to be good stewards of that. And there's a reason why he sent it. And we're going we're gonna to be able to expand on that this morning. We're going to be able to see that and apply that. At the same time, look at Nehemiah 4, 1 through 6. And how Nehemiah applies this phrase. Today is about this. Are you ready to give. Are you ready to give and are you ready to receive? Are you in a place where no matter what happens, you're prepared? You walk into any church. Thank God you walked into this one this morning. But you walk into any church on a Sunday morning. Are you ready to give? Are you ready to receive? We're going to go through that this morning. So hopefully I won't be jumping too far throughout the scriptures, but hey, it's a good place to be jumping around. Amen? Genesis to Revelation. Here we go. <laughs> so let's read this real quick. You guys with me this morning? Are you ready to give? Are you ready to receive? Amen. Yeah, love it. So let's read this, and then we're going to kind of go back through and uh, pick this apart just a little bit. So Paul says, For it is superfluous, interesting word, for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians. Namely, that Achaia has been prepared since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case. So that as I was saying... You may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonian come, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. And then verse five. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready. As a bountiful gift and not affected by covetedness, covetousness. Love that, that set of scripture. Because Paul's just explaining himself, look, I'm, I'm sending these people because help is okay. I'm sending these people because I do not want you to be affected by covetousness. You save money. You have this nest egg, all right? And then in your, in your mind, the Lord, excuse me, in your heart, the Lord speaks to you or in your mind, you come up with this idea that, yeah, I'm going to give some of that. And then the moment comes where you're supposed to give and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, you know what? I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to spend my money here. That's covetedness. Paul's saying, look, I'm sending the brethren to help against that. Real quick, it's pointless. He's saying in verse one, it's pointless for me to be writing to you all about this since readiness is so evident. 
Then he says, but I'm writing anyways because the previously promised gift had not been brought to completion. And I'm going to send Titus to help you in the stewardship of the gift and to ensure your readiness is not thwarted by the enemy. And therefore, the gift can be made complete. Because you know what? Hear me when I say this. It would look really bad if I boast about you in this matter. Show up and the gift has been withheld. It would look really bad if I stand up here on a Sunday morning and claim all that there is to claim and name about Jesus Christ. And then have a non-believer walk through that door, peel back the curtain of, of, of my life, of our lives. And that, all of that not being lived out, that would look really bad. And I'll tell you what, it's a sad narrative that we find ourselves in the middle of, sometimes, in the church. People are always saying, oh man, the church, they're just so, they're, they're hypocrites. The hypocrisy, the dysfunction is on another level when you walk into the church. Well, here's, here's what Paul's doing. Paul's trying to nip that in the bud before it even starts. And he's sending help for that so that this gift can be made complete. You trucking with me this morning? Sometimes we claim and we say, walk in his ways. Then we find ourselves stepping nowhere near his principles. And here's why. Because we're unwilling to be uncomfortable. We're unwilling to offend anyone. <laughs> you know what that's called? That's called compromise. And we have, we have so let compromise in. Now, now, hear me when I say that I'm not trying to beat the church up. I really am not. But we have so let compromise in and made a place for compromise at the table that we just simply say it's okay. And then when somebody's unwilling to compromise, it's, it's, a, it's a rub because we're so used to compromise. And then either an individual or a leader is, is made out to be the bad guy because they're not compromising. Well, let me say this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive to sin. The gospel of Jesus Christ will open you up. And it will make you uncomfortable. Hallelujah. Because there's no compromise in it. Amen? So... What I'm saying to you guys this morning is, is, is what would it look like if we, as a body of Christ, nipped it in the bud before it even happened or killed that narrative? They claim one thing, but they're not living it. Well, let's just live it. And the narrative dies. Amen? So Paul is saying, I'm sending you these people to help. So that we can kill the narrative before it starts. So if you look in verse 1, it says superfluous, superfluous. I like saying that word. Makes me feel intelligent. <laughs> but it just means unnecessary, especially in the context of being enough. And history shows, Paul is saying history has, history shows you've been ready to give. If you just look up a few verses. Second Corinthians eight ten, just says, I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, 
who were the first to begin a year ago. Not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. It's been in them to do it for a long time. But for whatever reason, it hasn't come to fruition yet. It hasn't come to completion yet. Now, in verse 2, Paul says this. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. Paul speaks to the readiness. He speaks about the readiness in his reason for boasting. He wanted to boast because of their behavior, excuse me, because their behavior caused other people to move to action. That's a reason to boast. I want to boast about everybody in here because the behavior, the things that you're doing is causing non-believers to come to Christ. Non-believers to accept the gospel. I'd rather have that narrative. Amen? So Paul's saying, look, hey, check, check this out. I'm boasting because you're doing something. And that doing of something is causing other people to not just talk about it, but they're doing it as well. So there's something being set up here. And Achaia, geographically, is the southern part of Greece where Athens and uh, Corinth are located, just so you guys can know where that is. But again, all the while, understand the previously promised gift had not been given yet. So verse 3 says, But I sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that I... As I was saying, you may be prepared. See, Paul explains, this is, this is the why. That help is being sent. He's saying, uh, I don't want my boasting to return void. You know what? I think that's a valid concern. <laughs> I don't want to look bad in this. That's okay. I don't want my boasting to return void. But what I see here in verse 3... I. It took me a while to get past verse 3, and here's why. Because I see a microcosm of a larger picture of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 in this verse. And we know in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 that he gave the five as a gift. And the purpose of those five was to, what, equip the saints and bring the unity of the faith. Until we attain the unity of the faith. To the knowledge of God. To the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ. The gift was given so something could be made complete. What's being made complete? Every believer is being made complete. Through the gift of the fivefold. For the sake of going and doing. Not to just simply sit after completion. You guys checking with me? In the sending, he says, I'm sending the brethren. This generation, I feel like, needs to know and hear this. That help is okay. Especially in your walk with the Lord. Help is okay. And why is that? Well, you're not the only one on this earth. (laughs) Thank God. I'm not the only one on this earth. But to, to disregard help... To disregard the gift is to say, you know what, Lord, what you've done in someone else is insufficient enough to speak to me. And we come to the narrative again that it's only God and me. 
And where do we see that vertical relationship and also the playing out of that horizontal relationship? We see that in verse 21 of chapter chapter 8. I preached on this last week. And this isn't within the context of the stewardship of this gift. It says, for we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Yeah. That vertical relationship where we say, you know what, God's going to work it out. Yes, he is. He will. He always will. Honorable in the sight of the Lord. But they have a concern with also being honorable in the sight of man. Meaning that the will of God is going to be played out among each other. So what's the statement for that? Statement is this, as I get back to my notes. Moonwalking. Hey. Simply put, relationship becomes the arena in which the Lord, the Lord's will is accomplished. Think about that. Relationships is the arena in which the Lord's will is accomplished. And as you walk into that arena, you find yourself standing on a playing field of life circumstances. Right? Life circumstances, the stuff that happens to you on a daily basis. Relationship is the arena in which the Lord's will is accomplished. And as you step into that arena, you find yourself standing on the playing field of life circumstances. What plays do you run? Well, guess what? You have a playbook. You're running plays out of the playbook that's entitled the Word of God. But let me say this. What if you walked into that arena and everyone's just milling around? No, no rules, no nothing. Let's just say it's a football field. People are standing at the 50-yard line. It's people with the 20. Guy's got a golf club. It's like, hey, buddy, wrong sport. It, it, nobody wants to watch that because it's disjointed. There's a lot of dysfunction. But help was sent so that the dysfunction and the disjointedness could be nipped in the bud right away. And I'm saying to you this morning that the fivefold, what we are about here, is a gift that's been given so that we're not disjointed. So that we don't have a dysfunctional body. Are you with me this morning? And I like this statement. I hear this from uh, my brother Beck a lot. I find out that, that I quote him a lot up here. That's cool. Right on, brother. But he, the statement is, you know, good offense, good offensive scheme, a good defensive scheme. More often than not, if it's successful, it gets imitated. It gets reproduced. Other people start to do it. That's what we see with the Macedonians. The Corinthians were doing it, and it was successful, and it began to be reproduced. We have to understand the seriousness of that principle. That if it's being reproduced, let's reproduce it in the correct way. And not let it be something that's reproduced where they, where the non-believer or the unchurched comes in and says, man, they are preaching one thing but doing something completely different. I'm bringing this all the way back to giving. Are you ready to give? And are you ready to receive? 
because people are watching. But you're capable of doing it because you've been given a gift. Amen? Gift of the fivefold. Then we, we, we move on to verse 4. I got enough time here. He says, Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. Yeah. That's like, boom. Right in the face there. And it's basically saying, what's, what's the alternative? If I show up having hyped you up so much and this isn't happening, hmm, you're not giving, it makes not only me look bad, but it makes you look bad. And it makes the person show, who's showing up, who heard about us, look bad as well. Because it communicates to them they had a false hope in something that was actually happening. To me, this is evangelical. Evangel, uh, there's evangelism in this. That we are ambassadors of Christ. That we are simply on display. And that's okay. You know, as a pastor's kid, I struggled in the past with um, feeling like I was underneath a microscope. And I see that now as like, hallelujah. But it's not because I was a pastor's kid. <laughs> it's because I claimed Jesus. As my Lord and personal Savior. If you do the same thing, guess what? Welcome the microscope. Welcome it. Because you're equipped enough to do it. So, verse 4 has a little, little bit of evangelism in it. It speaks about it from the negative side of things. But he's saying, look, people are, people are checking you out. Let the way that you live speak to them about the God that you serve. That there is no hypocrisy. There is no compromise in you. And then we get to verse 5. He says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Paul wraps up explaining himself. And he said, uh, I sent them ahead so that before we get there, you are ready to give. Now let me make this statement, and then I'm going to jump into a very short analogy here. Before you show up on church, excuse me, before you show up on Sunday at church, anywhere that you go, are you ready to give before you even decide to, to get here? Have you made up in your mind, I'm going to give? That's a, that's a question that hopefully you can answer with a yes. But think about this. I love Texas Roadhouse. Oh, man. Love Texas Roadhouse. If there's anywhere that I could go when somebody asks, hey, you want to go out to eat? It's there. But it's expensive, so I can't just three meals a day. Go to Texas Rose House. Plus, they're not open for breakfast. So, anyway. But when you walk into a restaurant and have not previously decided before you get there that you are going to give money after they give you 
food. If you haven't decided that and you show up and you get that, and then the check comes and all of a sudden you say, you know what, I worked hard for this money. I don't really know if I want to spend it here after having received. You're probably going to have a bad time. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> you probably won't be welcome back. Well, welcomed back to Texas Roadhouse because previously, before you even show up, you know what's going to happen. So if that's the case, then on a Sunday morning with church, with Christ things, let's just call it that. That's a very, I, I could have explained that better. Let's just say that. Before you get here, have you already made it up in your mind? This is what the Lord says I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to do it. Because we don't do that anywhere else. Why do we compromise when we get here? And guess what? I've compromised. I have. There's times in my life where I said, hey, you know what? I can't afford to give right now. Covetousness uh, settled in. Because I worked hard for something and the bank account looked good. And I just kind of wanted to look at it there for a little bit. Not really understanding that the reason it it looked like that was because of the giving in the first place. Here's what the Corinthians did. It's taken a year because they started out doing something and it hadn't come to completion yet. They maybe stepped back and said, hey, look, check this out. Looking a little wealthy here. But Paul says, man, I'm, I'm sending you these, these people to help you not fall in to covetousness. To not fall into not being ready. So here's what I'm saying to you this morning. With the title of this message being ready to give and ready to receive. Coming in on a Sunday morning and being ready for both both because what are you doing this morning as I speak about the word receiving it man hands in the air for worship man we're receiving it but are we ready to give as well and so as I communicate this to you this morning we're looking at 2nd Corinthians 8 and 9 in reference to this bountiful gift that is going to be given to the church in Jerusalem because they're struggling. But let's take the money out of it for a second. During our little meet and greet time, interesting way to categorize that. Are you giving what the Lord, are you approaching people? Are you giving what's in you to give that the Lord has done in you in that time on a Sunday morning? Or when you go to church, uh, go to your job. This ain't got nothing to do with finances. As much as it is, you have received so much from the Lord in your life, in your life circumstances, that what he's asking you to do is give that. Free of uncomfortableness. Free of compromise. Free of trying to say, you know what? If I do give this, I might get hurt. Well, in relationships, that's kind of what happens. That's not the end-all, be-all, but there's so much that has happened to us 
that we let overshadow all that God is doing through us. He's doing a mighty work in you right now. I know that to be true. He wants you to give that. Are you ready before you even show up to give? I think we're good at being ready to receive on a Sunday morning. But are you ready to give? Are you with me this morning, church? So let's let's add to this 1 Corinthians 16, 2. So turn over there real quick, a couple pages, at least for me, maybe a couple swipes for some of you guys. And it just, this speaks to how we are made ready. If I'm ready to give and I'm ready to receive, then what helps me out with that? 1 Corinthians 16.2 gives us that playbook. Or excuse me, from the playbook, it gives us the correct play to run. Because in my life circumstances, when covetousness shows up, here's how I got to deal with it. And this is how it reads. 1 Corinthians 16. Two. Now I'm going to read verse 1 and 2, but we're going to look at verse 2 more so than verse 1. But here's, here's verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. So there's the context of what this is. Verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. So that no collection be made when I come. There's four things in there. Now it says on the first day of the week. Whatever that is for you. First day of the week. First day of the month. When you come in ready to give. The scripture is telling us. That whether it's the first of the week. Or the first of the month. It it gives us the period time period and just so you understand I should have said this before I jumped into this this is the four P's okay so if you want to write these down I know we are a church that preaches from acronyms a lot right on the period first P come in ready to give once a month or once a week we read in verse 2 excuse me uh, the uh, Uh, Next part in verse 2, on the first day of the week, it says, each one of you. Nobody's exempt. It's talking about who? The participants. There's the next P. We got the period, first of the month, first of the week. Each one of you, participants. I'm I'm included. Just because I'm up here preaching about it doesn't mean that when that plate goes by, I I don't put anything in it. (laughs) The Lord's been convicting me in that. Hey, you got to do this too, bro. Come on. And he does call me bro. Just so you know. <laughs> Getting a little too cavalier up here. <laughs> All right. Next part of verse 2. Come on, Alex. He says, put aside and save. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the place. So you have the period, the participants, the place. I'm to put it aside for a certain it, it has a purpose. I'm going to throw that other P in there. It has a purpose. 
so that it can be given, so that it can be brought to completion every single day, every single week, every single month, so that it doesn't take a year. And it says this, as he may prosper, so that no collection be made when I come. Now, there's another aspect of this that comes in to play here. And I'll give you the last P with that. And I call it the radical minimum standard. And it's that 10%. That should be the radical minimum standard. I've heard it said sometimes, well, pray, pray about 2%. And then when you feel good about that, go to 3%. And then when you're okay with 3%, please tell me where it says that in the word. Because <laughs> I'll tell you this. The man whose legs were given back and his eyes were given back, did the, did the Lord say, hey, I'm going to give you 55% of your, of your sight back. And once you're okay with that, receiving 55%, then I'm going to give you 70. We don't see that. The Lord healed him right away. We're ready to receive all of it. But are we ready to give all of it? The radical minimum standard. That is the proportion you have the period. You have the place. Where am I at here? You have the uh, the participants, and you have the proportion. Amen. Are you ready? No matter what happens, are you ready to give? Are you ready to receive? Now, real quickly, I got to catch this Nehemiah one uh, four one through six. Just to keep us uh, in, let me say this, up to date with Nehemiah. But if you turn over there, let's read this. And let's see how this readiness in giving, being prepared no matter what, readiness in receiving, being prepared no matter what, applies to Nehemiah. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now it came about that when Sanballat, Heard that we were building the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble? Even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite uh, was near him and said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break it down. He would break down their, their stone wall. Excuse me. He would break their stone wall down. Here, this is what Nehemiah says. Here, O oh God, how we are despised. Return their approach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you. For they have demoralized the builders. Verse 6. So we build the wall. We built the wall. And the whole wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Readiness in giving. Readiness in receiving. Covetousness. Something that can raise itself up. And thwart your work. We see Sambalot say some things. 
that very well could have derailed the entire project. But what Nehemiah did in his response is we see in verse 5, excuse me, verse 4, is that no matter what came out of Sambalot's mouth, no matter what came out of Tobiah's mouth, and there's another gentleman, no matter what came out of Geshem's mouth, he was going to be ready to respond with work. He was ready to receive the good comments, even the bad ones. But the way that he responded was this. We're going to keep doing what we're going to do. When covetousness pokes its head up and says, don't give. Are you ready to respond with the actual doing of the work? When opposition throws its head up to what it is that the Lord has asked you to do in your life, are you going to respond with, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to come to you. Deal with them. But we're going to join the wall together. (laughs) And it got built up to half its height. That's progress, ladies and gentlemen. Despite what people are saying. Despite what you say to yourself. Just be ready to give. And be ready to receive. Amen. Let me get the worship team back up here. And we're going to prepare for offering. We also have communion this morning. But let's let's come up here. Let's come up front. Guys, let's come up front. Thanks. Heavenly Father, we uh we just want to pray for this offering, Lord. We want to be able to be good stewards of this. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, we do as your word says and we give joyfully. Um, Lord, and you just, you just, your will be done in this. Lord, I, I pray that we, we don't compromise, we don't step back in fear of upsetting somebody or in fear of um, somehow communicating that we don't love someone. Lord, I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that your gospel confronts the sin that is in us. I thank you that from Genesis to Revelation, Lord, you um, you pull out of us truth. And this morning, Lord, we want to step into that. We want to step into truth. So we love you. We need you. God, just, just be with us as we give. And be with us as we receive your word and receive your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we get prepared for communion... We bring that up. Communion is a it's a very special time with the Lord. To be able to get yourself back in alignment if you're out of alignment with the Lord. But what it is is it's a it's a proclamation of of what He did for us. Saying the blood that was spilled on the cross, I'm going to take that blood and do this in remembrance of you same thing with that bread public proclamation of saying you know what I understand what you went through (laughs) part of me may not know fully and completely all of what you went through but at, at this point I'm just thankful that you did what you did for me on the cross and I'm gonna take that little wafer I'm gonna eat that and I'm gonna do that in remembrance 
of you. It's a very serious thing. It's a special thing, but very serious. Very serious in the sense that the word says, if you're not a believer, if you haven't accepted the Lord into your heart as your Lord and personal Savior, to not partake in communion. That's how serious he is about it. But here's the the other side, is that there's a there's a remedy for that. <laughs> Today can be the day that you accept him if you haven't. And it's real simple. Let's stand to our feet before we take our take our communion. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, if there's anybody in this room this morning who wants to take that leap, who wants to be ready to give an account of the hope that's in them at any moment, letting that hope be you, letting that hope be the hope of Jesus Christ. They want to take that leap of faith and, and, and go from relying on themselves to relying on you. Lord, I just pray that they would they would throw their hand up in the air and we'll pray with you. Rejoice with you that your name has now been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. If that's you, just throw your hand up this morning. Amen. So let's just come down the uh, center aisle. You can get your communion and then go back to your seat. We'll, we'll close for today, but Spend some time with the Lord this morning.